There's a debilitating mindset that a lot of people have who were traumatized as children. And it's partly from the neglectful and abusive way that they were brought up. But it's also partly from living within a culture that encourages a focus on what the parents did and offers almost nothing about what you can do to change your fate from living at the effect of that childhood trauma all your life to instead adopting functional workarounds that let you build a life that is not driven by trauma. And the people who recover from CPTSD symptoms and transform their lives always do so through some variation on this. They focus on what can be changed and strengthened so that they can have emotional steadiness, good friends, a loving partner if that's what they want, their basic financial needs met, all the things that are lost when long ago trauma dominates your life. So my letter today is from a woman I'll call Karina and she writes, Hi Anna, I'm 63 and in my second marriage. My first marriage lasted 29 years, and I was 21 when I was married. And I thought it would last forever until I discovered he was cheating on me in year 22. When I think back at how I reacted to this, I realized at that point I had severe abandonment issues. We did get back, however. It only lasted seven years when I discovered he was cheating again. I never got an explanation from him, so I feel like I didn't get closure. To this day, I can't stop thinking of how he left. Let me go back to my childhood. I was told always that I was not a planned pregnancy, that my parents couldn't afford me because my sister was ill with stomach issues, which I believe had to do with the stress my mother endured with my father. He was extremely abusive in that he had a very scary temper. It was like something clicked in him and he went off in a very sick, scary temper tantrum. I was also told they didn't have a name for me because they just didn't know if they were going to keep me. God. I was born on Mother's Day and was told that someone else was born just before me and they received all the gifts from the hospital. And if that wasn't enough, I almost killed my mother during delivery. Because my sister was not supposed to get upset, my father would take out his aggression toward her on me. He would leave me at abandoned buildings and drive away. So there was so much more abuse, but this sticks out the most to me. I'm married again, and my husband is narcissistic and a functioning alcoholic. I've done a lot of research on narcissism simply because my sister is narcissistic. He threatens to leave me each time we argue. The thing is, I know this marriage is not a good one, and I would love to have a normal relationship with a man I can call my friend. However, once he threatens me, I get so fearful of being abandoned. I've been in and out of therapy since I'm 17. And I still can't get past this issue of not choosing the right people in my life. I would welcome your feedback. Thank you, Karina. All right. Karina, I think I can help. I was circling the things that stuck out to me, and I'm going to go back through and talk about what I saw here. All right. You got married when you were 21. That's extremely young. I'm guessing your husband was, your first husband was about the same age. Okay. There are certain problems that go with early marriage sometimes. Um, and you thought it would be forever, and then you discovered when you were 44 years old that he was cheating. When you think back, you realize that you had severe abandonment issues. And I think what you're saying there is you would have left, but you didn't feel like you could. 
that that was too much for you. It was such a violation. So one thing is, you know, some relationships endure despite an event like that. Others do not. Sometimes that's a symptom of deeper problems. Um, I don't think it's that unusual with marriages that came together when people were extremely young. So there's that. Um, so you never got an explanation from him. So you feel like you didn't get closure into this day. You can't stop thinking of how he left. So it sounds like you had a huge tra traumatic blow and there wasn't communication afterwards. And you don't say anything about that. Did you guys like, did all contact break down? Did he leave with this other person? You know, I don't know what happened. So, but the explanation is of him leaving is, you know, at least what we know is he didn't want to be in this marriage anymore. And that may have had nothing to do with you. I don't know, but it sounds like he also got married very young. And this is what can often come up um, in marriages where people were very young. I mean, goodness, it comes up 50% of the time anyways that people split up. But at the age of 21, not everyone has the maturity to make a permanent decision and feel like I've had my experience. I think I understand what, you know, what marriage is. I know what I'm getting into. I've had a opportunity to choose the best person for me. It's not uncommon that that would be, you know, um, not there yet. And so somebody who got married very young would have this need to get out and do something different. So I'm going to assume, I'm assuming in the lack of any other evidence that it's just that it just no longer was where he wanted to be. So I feel for you, that's really hard. Um, but it is normal. It's normal. 50% of marriages fall apart. All right. So then you say, let me go back to my childhood. I was told, now this part really got to me. Your parents, oh honey, this is awful. So they always told you that you're not a planned pregnancy. All right. Half of people are not from a planned pregnancy. That's normal. Your parents couldn't afford you because your sister was ill as a child with stomach issues. It's totally uncool for parents to tell a kid that they can't afford them and that one kid matters and the other one is just too much. Um, your parents seem to have very, very poor judgment very bad boundaries and uh, on top of everything you said here and you believe it had to do with the stress your mother went through with your father yep that'll do it that would make somebody have a trouble using common sense about what to tell kids and what not to tell kids he was extremely abusive and that he had a very scary temper and it was like so that's emotional abuse it's like something clicked in him and he would go off in a very sick temper tantrum scary um, I was told they didn't have a name for me because they just didn't know if they were going to keep me. Wow. Wow. Um, what a thing to tell a kid. What a thing to tell a kid. That is so inappropriate of them. Um, I believe that they might have been in that situation. And if they, if somebody in that situation had written to me, I would have had sympathy for them, but I would have been get on the dime and having raised your, yeah, you can't do that. You were born on Mother's Day and you were told someone else was born just before you and they received all the gifts. Like, I can't believe you got a guilt trip about hospital gifts and some story that they kept telling themselves and you and everybody about how shortchanged they were by your existence. Oh my gosh, I can totally hear and understand how you developed this wound that you were constantly told, basically, you weren't supposed to be here and we got stuck having to raise you. Wow. So they um, don't get any prizes for parenting, and I'm really sorry that happened to you, but I'm here to tell you, you can heal, despite the fact that your parents were so messed up. 
On one level, things that are said to you when you're a kid and hurt you, you know, the hurts that you sustain, like nothing can be done to recover from that. If you didn't get that sense of safety and unconditional love from your parents, you're not going to have the child's unconditional love ever again. I understand, and that's terrible, but you can have love. You can overcome what you were deprived of to the point that you can learn to love and learn to experience love. Many, many, many of us didn't get the full hand of cards that people were supposed to get, you know, to get raised properly. And we learn to love and be loved anyway. That's kind of what the mission is here. Many people have done it. And in, in addition to being loved, there's the job of becoming your full and real self. Because basically, if you're having to scrounge for love and security as a kid, as a young adult, as you know, through your adulthood, there's a lot of parts of you that don't get developed. They don't get the, like, the space and the oxygen they need for you to find out, like, what are your gifts? What are you really good at? What are you meant for? What brings meaning to your life besides just survival? So that's the tragedy. So many people grew up traumatized and they end up living a life where they don't get to address that stuff. They don't get to have a midlife crisis. The midlife crisis is about getting abandoned by somebody rather than about, wait a minute, who, you know, who am I really and what am I here on earth to do? And how do I want to step up so that I can, you know, live my life as fully as possible with the time I have left? That's like a quality midlife crisis. That's the luxury of people whose basic needs are met. So it sounds to me like you've been experiencing a little bit of, um, you could call that arrested development. You didn't get to develop yourself. There's too much survival at stake. And, um, oh, this thing where your dad left you at abandoned buildings and drove away, I just, it makes me so angry. That is just so dramatic. And I can't help but think intended to hurt. I'm so sorry. That's awful. So you married again somebody who sounds a bit like your dad narcissistic and a functioning alcoholic. I don't know if your dad drank, but might as well have. So you've done a lot of research on narcissism because your sister's narcissistic. And this husband you now have threatens to leave every time you argue. Well, who does that sound like? There's conflict, there's difficulty, there's a threat of leaving. So what's interesting to me is that the story for you is that he threatens to leave, that he's this terrible person, but he threatens to leave. He's a narcissist, he's an active alcoholic. Um, and he threatens to leave. So what's missing here is your, th is your leaving. That's what's missing, that you recognize these problems and you're not able to leave. And I know you know that, and you've, you've called it. It's your abandonment wounds. Your abandonment wounds are holding you prisoner. And the reason is the abandonment melange, the intense emotions that come up around abandonment scenarios for people like you, people like me. Um, Pete Walker calls it abandonment melange, and it's this these three emotions are just like way, way high. And it's grief, rage, and fear. Grief, rage, and fear. And it feels like, you know, when, when, when a relationship ends, it can feel like you've been kicked out of the planet Earth. There's a, there's a very strong sense of identification with the human race that we were supposed to get. And that falls to pieces when you get abandoned, when you have abandonment wounds. That sense of belonging, that sense of who you are, all of that is a product of being loved properly and mirrored properly when you were being raised. And the holes that you had are making that hard for you. So the first thing I want to offer to you is you can actually survive abandonment melange. It gets half as bad the minute you know what it is and you can name it. And you can say, oh, here comes that feeling again. And it feel, it's a feeling, you know, it comes over you. It's like a toxic 
people describe it differently, but I've always noticed it feels like it's traveling down my arms, like it's physiological, like a, like a, like a poisonous drug has been injected and I can feel it coming on. This very dark outlook on the world comes. But now that I know what it is, I go, oh, that's abandonment melange. And I'm able to kind of release it. I just know like that is a symptom of what happened to me as a kid. That's not really my response to what's happening. I don't like what's happening, but I'm not drowning in poison. I'm not kicked off the planet earth. I'm just dealing with kind of problems that flow naturally from some of the path, from the path I've taken. Now, I'm not blaming you for being on this path, for choosing people, you, you're, you feel so bad about it, but you and me and everybody, like that's what we do until we heal and can make different choices. And you can, I just, you know, I have a dating course. When you are out of this marriage, I really encourage you to take the course because it helps you um, identify first what you really need and must have if you're gonna have another relationship. And then to identify the, the, the mistaken thinking, the magical thinking, the crap fit, all these things that we do to find a way to tolerate and ignore red flags when we see them coming. There's this intense need to get back into a relationship and we will override our common sense over this. There's a way around this. You need tools, you need clarity, you need support. So for anybody who is like trying to work that, to try to come out of old patterns, come be a member with us. We have a community that supports each other. We have tools, materials. And if you don't have money, I have a free course, a free course called the daily practice and it would help. So I'm just putting that out there, but it's time to heal. It's time to heal. And I know that, you know, you're saying it's not good. It's full of threats. It's full of rage. You believe he's a narcissist. Um, and the abandonment kicks in. So what are you going to need? Here's just, this is like the practical question for you, for you to move into your own place and deal with the paperwork of a divorce. What will you need to stay okay and cope with the abandonment melange that tends to come? What will you need? And I'm just going to guess, all right, now you've ended up with at least one alcoholic. Guess what? You qualify for Al-Anon. And that's a wonderful 12-step fellowship where you can have meetings, you know, depending on where you live, there will be face-to-face -face meetings. There will be online meetings. You can go to meetings every day. You can make new friends. You can align yourself with people who understand, you know, what happens. Um, you know, people end up in relationships with alcoholics quite frequently because they grew up in a situation like yours. They have CPTSD. They don't have the red flag detector and they end up in that kind of relationship again. And it has a very common pattern of the way that it hurts and affects people. And you will find people who understand what you're going through. If you have friends, if you have meetings to go to, and often when you make friends with people in meetings, there end up being, you know, um, group walks or people having Thanksgiving dinner together, just ways that you can have your life full of real friendships that are productive, that are with like-minded people who are working on healing their patterns. And it's wonderful. So I really encourage you, check that out. People, you need people, you need this alternate reality to help keep coming out of the reality of the abandonment melange, which will engulf your perception and go, oh, this is so terrible, it can't be tolerated. It can, it's just your trauma talking. And there's always sadness, there's always fear and uncertainty around a breakup, a divorce, right? But there's also a wonderful sense of life becoming possible again. Nobody anymore is like digging at you, attacking you, criticizing you, threatening you. There's no more of that and your real self can start to blossom just like little flowers that finally got some water and some sunshine.
and that is you. You are the flower. You can bounce back from this. So I encourage you to keep going with your, with your progress and get some support. Uh, do you need a lawyer? Maybe you do. So there's some professional help that could come in handy where you find out what is the sequence for doing this. If you have a rager, you may need some support for how to safely get out of there. So we're behind you all the way. We're celebrating your growth and your progress towards starting to live the kind of life that you've always deserved. Yes, at the age of 63, that's a common age for people to get on their feet for the first time ever. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.